to How I Deal, where we discuss past closed one and lost deals, how they played out that way, and want to provide you some solid sales tips to use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollum. I'm a full cycle account executive turned content guy, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, as always, Junior. How's it going, man? Great. You know, we built this podcast with the purpose of exposing how the ideal deal is almost never a straight line. I think we're tracking pretty good. It's episode four, and I think today's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, every every episode we get better, right? We try to at least, um, but want to bring on different guests, different perspectives. And just to refresh everyone on how this works, each conversation we chat through a past deal try to anonymize or at least fictionalize all names, places. Uh, But we want to dive deep. We want to go from the first time they saw that prospect, either in the CRM or on LinkedIn, all the way to getting that DocuSign or whatever your your signature tool is approved. Yeah, today we're chatting with Greg Camerata, who climbed from SDR to sales manager and spent a good time as an account executive. Greg, you the man. Hey guys, thanks so much for uh, having me on. Super excited to chat with you both. Likewise, likewise. Greg, give us some insight into your role and what problems Demand Drive solves. Yeah, absolutely. So at Demand Drive, I've I've worn a couple different hats here. I started here as an SGR, you know, making cold calls, prospecting, um, doing doing all, all that, and shifted into a management role for a while, managed a team. Uh, after doing that, I pivoted, became an account executive, and now I'm a sales manager for the Demand Drive sales team. So I've seen the company from a lot of different angles. I've, done, I've done, worn a lot of hats. Uh, and essentially, what Demand Drive does for its clients, and I, I have like a one one line answer. I usually say, or one line response, is that we build and manage sales development teams for tech companies. And the teams that we build, their primary goal is to set up fully qualified meetings between your internal sales reps and embedded leads. Um, but the biggest differentiator about Demand Drive is that you know, we truly operate as an extension of your own internal team. And typically companies will turn to us if they are looking to build up their sales development team from scratch, but they still want the quality of an internal team. Or on the other end, if they have an existing sales development team in place, we can augment that existing team, focus on a new initiative, focus on a separate vertical. Um, but the theme of what we do is that we do this as closely to an internal team as possible. Super cool. And the band drive, Junior and I have, are pretty familiar with it, but we're excited to learn more about what you do and, and kind of how you navigate those processes. Speaking of that, let's just dive right in. Greg, uh, what are you walking us through today deal-wise? Yeah, so this is an exciting one. Um, at this point, I was an account executive. I was like six or seven months into the role. And the way it's the way we're structured is that we have demand drive itself actually has our own SDRs who prospect on our behalf. We have you know an awesome marketing team. You know, shout out AJ Alonzo, uh, who and Alex Allison. Alex would be mad if I didn't call him out as well. Um, both those guys are great and they generate awesome leads for our sales team. Um, but this is one of my outbound ones that I got early on. Um, and it had a few twisted turns, which is exciting, but it ended up being my biggest deal um, that year. Uh, so I was really proud of this one and excited to uh, talk to you about it as well. Walk us through the beginning. Let's start at the start. What did you do to research this deal? Yeah. So the way I researched it is that this is an outbound uh, deal of mine. So I used a few tools to map out some target accounts I want to get in contact with. And there's a few, there's some criteria that you know, we look for consistently when it comes to account mapping and targeting accounts, um, you know, the company size, the revenue range, the uh, amount of funding they have, 
the biggest thing for us is if they have SDRs or BDR. I also use that term interchangeably. So throughout this, I'll continue to probably go back and forth. But if they have SDRs in place, if they don't have SDRs in place. Um, so a lot of the research is on the count itself. And when it comes to decision makers, we're looking typically for someone like VPs of marketing, VPs of sales, it's kind of nebulous sales development. Sometimes it rolls up under one department, sometimes it rolls up in another, or sometimes it's its own separate thing. Um, but those are the main points that I'm looking for beforehand for reaching out. Is this established SDR teams or could it also be like we are in a position to start creating an SDR team? Yeah, it's exactly that. So can we work with companies that have existing sales development teams in place and we can just augment that existing team? Or if it's someone who has no exposure to sales development um, or no uh, existing sales development team, we can get in there and build that team from scratch for them. Awesome. That's a really good trigger to have and to know just like, as you're looking at, you know, different company profiles on LinkedIn and everything, you're looking at the job tabs and yeah. you just know based off of, hey, these signature events, either hiring an SDR or already have one, you already know like, okay, we're halfway there. There's a lot of different ways to, to prospect, quite frankly. What did your initial outreach look like? And, you know, what was your messaging? Yeah, so the thing that I did in this one is that, you know, a big part of our methodology is to do personalized outreach. Um, so what I did to get in contact with this specific account is that I did actually uh, video messaging. So I sent a video to this individual, um, the VP of sales over at this company, and basically touched on a few different things. Like this scenario, they had an existing SDR team in place. I noticed, if I remember correctly, they were hiring for SDRs and my point of contact posted on LinkedIn. So when I did this video, I think it's important too when you do these videos or any kind of outreach, it's great to be personalized, but also being relevant and explain like, hey, like this is my reasoning for reaching out to you. This isn't just, it, you're not just one person and a thousand people I'm going to email today. I really want to, you know, I'm reaching out to you for a specific reason. That's why I really try to drive. I try to drive home when doing video prospecting. So that's how I geared the conversation. And actually what was interesting too is like on my I put all this work in that first touch. It wasn't my first touch that I got in contact with her. Um, it was the second or third touch in that same email chain with the video reaching out uh, with that initial video reach out. And then when I finally did get in contact with her, she got back to me. She was like, hey, Greg, love the video. You you hit, the, I, I don't exact, remember the exact phrase, but like you hit on points that we're looking to explore. Let's talk, something like that. And that's how the initial conversation started. I love that the best is one email and a response. That's not always the case. Right. And in your case, you're saying this is the third touch. You're using video to reach out to this person. Maybe some of our listeners haven't used video in the past. Um, one, like, what does the video look like or like sound like? Coach us for like 30 seconds. How do you use video in your outreach? And then tell us the tool. So if someone's listening, they're like, I want to dabble, they at least know where to look. Yeah, 100%. So I think the, the theme, a video, in my opinion, just make sure like use it as a tool, to explain why you're reaching out to them specifically. Don't just use it as like a, a, a digital voicemail because that takes away. So it's all, and some of the way I have it, I use, I personally use Loom. I'm a fan of Loom, um, but I know we have clients that use Vidyard. We use Vidyard as well. The way it's structured is that when you share your, when you make a video, it's a screen share. So you can see what I'm looking at my screen and my face or you know, whoever's using his face is in, the, in the, is in the bottom corner. So that itself, I think is a tool because I like to lead off on their LinkedIn page showing like, hey, like I'm reaching out to you for a specific reason. Or maybe they're kind of concerned, like, hey, like why is this 
weirdo on my LinkedIn page and why is he sending me a video <laughs> of, of this? Um, and then from there, walking through my example of what, why I'm reaching out, like maybe a trigger event, maybe an article. Um, actually, in this scenario, there was an article that was posted along with the fact that they're hiring for SDRs. So I had her LinkedIn page, went to the article after, highlighted the part where it's, they were expanding, blah, blah, blah. And then went to the went to the job post being like, hey, I also noticed you're looking to hire for SDRs. And then from there, I did go to a quick slide on demand drive, really quick, not trying to you know bore them. The whole video itself is probably like a, uh, 60 seconds. If that, I try to keep them close, uh, keep them short. Um, but then after I did that, you know, I just had a call to action, like, hey, you know, let's find, is this worth exploring? Get some time to connect next week. Um, and then ended up, ended up connecting on that third touch. That's awesome. I love that you're using video, you're sharing your screen, you're showing like the exact research and piece as to why you think you provide value. And obviously, you know, that's what it took for this person to respond. So without the video aspect, maybe we don't have this conversation about them today. And it goes back to just knowing the buying trigger, like knowing your ICP so well to utilize multi-channel and just be like, hey, I saw this, this, and this. Here's how I'm going to help. And here's why I'm doing this. All of that ties together. So video is great, but also know your ICP, know your target, know your buying triggers. That, that's the kind of stuff that's ultimately going to convert. Greg, obviously we talk about the hardest stage of the sales process is not necessarily the prospecting aspect. I mean, yes, it's difficult, but once you set that meeting, the work isn't done, right? The discovery comes next, understanding, all right, yeah, I, I saw some triggers, but I want to dive a little deeper and see if I can create that gap or create that, you know, really understand that need or that pain. Because as you know, when, if you can't uncover the pain, you're likely not going to move anywhere and you're not going to have a strong demo in the whole process. All that hard work prospecting falls apart. So like, how did you organize you know, that initial meeting, that initial conversation, and, and what did you learn? Good question. So I would say my initial like discovery call isn't anything that's too ridiculous or anything that's too out of the blue. Typically, what I like to start off with is learn as much as I can possibly about the company and about the individual. From there, going more of a deep dive. From what I what I hear from them, I do I do a deep dive on demand drive, but I obviously will focus more on like what I gathered as pain points during that like quote unquote pitch part, then just open it up for any questions and then just figure out what next steps look like. So I wouldn't say there was anything too, too unique in there. Um, I'll look to see if they've worked with an outsourced SDR firm before, see if there's any certain attributes to a firm that's important to them. You learn about what their current sales development team is and then kind of get an idea. I don't like to talk about this yet, but get an idea on like what expectations and what, how success looks like for them. Cause then when I get to that next step, I really want to dive deeper on that. But that's typically how that first call is going to work. One thing though, that was interesting about this deal and I, I'm sure we'll get to it as well, but one of the, like, the biggest wrenches that was thrown, I didn't uncover during the discovery call. I found that out like later on and it made this whole thing take a, a right turn, but we ended up getting back on track, which was good. The old, well, I didn't find that one small, tiny piece of information. Yep. Kind of it snowballs after that. Probably 90% of deals fall apart because you don't find that that small aspect. Before we roll into like this demo stage, just want to make one comment. In discovery, if you don't find that one thing that we will talk about later, that the impact is it extends the time of the sales process. So yep. maybe you typically close deals in one to two weeks. Well, you didn't uncover this one piece and now 
you're extending that to four to six weeks, you know, as compared to like the two to three or one to two. And then what does that mean? Well, now your deal has more risk, right? There's more opportunity to lose. So that's why it's like huge. And the ability to un uncover is big to not uncover and get back on track. I mean, that's why you're sales manager, right? Like you obviously figured that out. I think it's super cool. So rolling into the demo stage, this can sometimes be a yawn, right? Let me show you every feature that we have. You know, it's hard to like be succinct and show the exact impact or ROI of what this can do. So how is your experience different? You know, what did you do to keep them engaged through that demo stage? So typically the next step for on, on demand drives and like we don't do a demo per se. It's more for like a presentation slash you know deep dive on, on their company. The thing about us is that we can work with companies in a lot of different ways, you know, whether it is building a sales development team from scratch, whether it's augment the existing team. In the case for this client uh, or this, this prospect at this point, we were augmenting their existing team. What's important during this stage for us is to be super consultative, you know, learn about what's working, what's not, provide our feedback on what we could potentially do better. So you know, typically what this presentation looks like is that it consists of a deep dive on the company, making sure I'm not, they leave without any unanswered questions. Uh, on top of that, diving a little bit deeper on what I learned on that discovery call and kind of the back and forth when it comes to being consultative, like that's what we'll focus on as well. But then the biggest point too, which is nice and keeps the conversation very conversational, is talking about expectations, goals, how they'd measure success. And that's that's for me, because it also ties back into like our company's business model like we operate as closely to an internal team as possible so you know if we're not super conversational and back and, if there's not a lot of back and forth during that process then it's it, it's going to most likely derail the actual you know engagement as well so i guess the if i had a point to one thing specifically being consultative throughout that follow-up call is is the most important thing for us so post post discovery you're doing more of a deep dive less of a we're jumping into the platform and demoing and in that deep dive, like, so discovery, you've said, we found pain. We know it's a pain point. Let's talk more about that pain. And that's what the deep dive is. It's like understanding exactly how that, how you solve that pain and tying it back to what you can do. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, exactly. So dive. So, and I, I don't know if I touched, I might've missed this when I, when I was referencing discovery the call. So the big pain for this client was the fact that they could not scale fast enough. They had ambitious sales development goals and they needed to hit like X amount of, um, they needed to hit X number in, in a certain amount of time. So what we were, what we were going coming in to do is to bolster their, their sales development efforts, but also at the same time, make sure they don't lose that quality of what was working internally. So exactly right. You know, I learned that during discovery calls is their point, their pain. And they were super concerned about like, Hey, like we really don't want to like what we're doing now works, but we just need to do more of what works. Yeah. Um, so like that was big at the time. That was most of the consultation part of, of that follow-up calls to be like, to discuss like how we'd fit in with what they're currently doing and to make sure and to highlight how we could hit those goals that we briefly touched on you know, during that initial call. And then we dived a lot deeper on in that follow-up. Greg, we've, you know, heard the saying, you know, no problem, no sale, right? Like, but this can also apply in your own sales cycle. You know, if we don't run into problems along the way, that's not necessarily always a good thing. For me, yeah. it's like, well, all right, this deal's moving along. We're checking all the boxes. Everybody's happy. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we went with somebody else or, oh, we're just not going to move forward and you lose that sale. And then a lot of times you don't know why. And that's because you didn't run into those kind of those barriers or uncover 
those problems. So, you know, we've been alluding to it, but what was that major barrier or objection that, that you had to eventually overcome? Yeah. And it's actually kind of funny in a way too, because, well, I'll backtrack and just say what the issue was. So after our presentation, I recently found out this company was about to go through an acquisition. So that completely, you know, and basically getting to that point where you have to resell individuals, you know, backtrack to like take two steps to move one step forward. Yeah. Or in this case, it was like take five steps back to move a step <laughs> forward. It was like a lot of, a lot of chaos. And then an interesting part about that as well is because my point, of, well, I guess the one nice part about it is that my point of contact did stay consistent throughout. I, there was a few other stakeholders as well, but even with the new structure, I was still talking to the same person. But what happened is that now that there's other people involved, they also saw the need for a partner like demand drive, but at the same time they were like, Hey, like let's talk to some other people as well. So like they, it was kind of funny because I was the one who initially got this idea in their head and they were going to, and, but now that these other partners are like, Hey, like let's, so I basically accidentally brought in competitors I had to compete against um, just because from doing what I did and they, they liked the idea, but they're like, Hey, like let's, let's talk. So, you know, after that, I had a couple other calls with her post presentation, talked about, um, you know, different value adds and talked a little bit about how we position ourselves to get other competitors. But yeah, that was that before yet, I don't know if you have any follow-up questions after that, but yeah, that was the big thing that, that derailed it for, for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's insane, right? Like most barriers are, oh, we don't have budget or, you know, we're got different priorities, different goals, but to, to be acquired during the sales process is rare. And it's usually a death sentence, right? At that point. Mm-hmm. And and like you even said, additional barriers came up after that of, hey, you know, we still like this idea, but let's let's talk to some other people. Let's price shop yep. you around. And that that is a killer. Any other barriers come across or, you know, spur up after that? Or was that kind of the, the main couple that presented themselves? Yeah. So it was almost like a two-part. So the acquisition was a barrier, but it, that in itself, I found out wasn't really an issue because they still wanted to pursue the same course that the, the company was going to do initially where the barrier came was the fact that they were like, okay, like this is a good idea. Like we like this concept. It makes sense. Now let's start like, you know, maybe, with the, maybe there's some other companies that we could talk to as well. But the thing is I was initially the first one there. Um, but then these other parties, these other parties, you know, got, got in the mix as well. And um, essentially, you know, I, I try to do a few things to get over that, you know, and this was over call. Like, so basically I had another follow-up call talk about differentiators, how we position ourselves um, but the biggest thing that I just try to drive home at the end of the day was like, hey, I know you're talking a lot of companies at, at this point, but at the same time, like the, what, the work that we do for our clients is essentially what I did to do to get in contact with you. And, you know, that's, I think that's a major differentiator that's going to help lead us to when, when you're, when you're selling this to your other team members, just remember like, hey, like what we're looking for this company to do, they did to us. Mm-hmm. So it might be a, a value add right there. And it ended up being you know, enough to, to get it, get it uh, across the line. It's a super unique position too. Like we're, we're big advocates of like, we want to be the best users of our product. And in your world and in your industry, what you sell, it's how well did I sell you all? That's a, a peek into to what we can provide for you. And it's also probably your greatest weakness. So you didn't hit yeah. some pain points and they're like, well, we, we don't want that. <laughs> so, okay. Last week we put out a poll asking where most people are getting the actual yes or no. At some point, you know, you, you have to ask for it. Um, you got to ask for the close. In your case, where did the yes come from? Email, phone, in-person, and how did you ask? 
That's a really good question. It was over email, I believe, or the confirmation was over email, but we discussed it on that follow-up call I referenced before, like where I talked about like, Hey, this is how we differentiate. Like, so why I think you should move forward with us. Um, it was discussed then, but the official, like it was, it was solidified over email if I remember correctly. So that's also what the poll eventually came out was most confirmations are happening over email. I have absolutely no data set on whether that's good or bad, but I just want you to know, like as AEs that are selling, right? Confirmation can happen over email. It can happen over the phone. It can happen in person. It's more, it's less about where you asked and how you got the S and more about like what you have uncovered and how much pain you can solve for them. And Greg, I, I'm hoping you'll agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Greg, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up, huh? So after walking through this whole deal, what are, say, three things you know, any AE listening today can do to inch closer to that closed one on some of the deals they've got in the pipe? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to work smart. Like once you have someone in your pipeline, do your research, do the do the proper preparation when it comes to like the discovery presentation. And, you know, when you do your homework and prepare, it's going to really pay out. So I would say that would be number one. Um, number two, I would say like throughout the process from discovery to presentation to like any if, if there is a follow up call for whatever reason, just being like transparent, being as honest as you can really pays and in my opinion, and will make the whole engagement leads off helps engagement lead off the right way, and also throughout it sets the tone for how how this relationship should go. So I would say that would be number two, and number three isn't necessarily an account executive strategy per se or a closing strategy per se, but I, I think it's super important is just have a full pipeline. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you obviously marketing is a channel, you're going to get leads from. You know, if you have an SDR who's working on your behalf or working on your team, you're going to get leads from that channel. But if you're not on discard, in my opinion, like if I'm not working on any, if I'm not doing any revenue generating activities at the moment, like working with a prospect, whether it's, you know, on discovery call presentation or, you know, back and forth, I think it's important just to prospect and, and be that own person because at the end of the day, if like one of those deals that you're relying on falls through, if you have a full pipeline, you're able to be like, all right, like that fell through. They did everything I could to save it. But at the end of the day, I have three other people that I have calls scheduled this week. And just like that mentality, I feel also helps during the actual presentations and, and discovery calls. Cause then you don't have that feeling of just being like, you know, make or break kind of allows it just takes some of the weight off your back and you can, and you can be a little bit more relaxed. Um, so I think that's important. And then by prospecting, it helps with the actual presentations and discoveries, just because you don't have that added, added pressure. Awesome. I think, yeah, those are great things to, uh, to keep track of. Um, Greg, it was great to have you. If you tuned in today, go connect with Greg on LinkedIn, do some video prospecting. You know, we wouldn't be here without it and uh, add acquisitions to your discovery doc because your pipeline will thank you later. And just Thanks. like that, another episode of How Ideals in the Books. Thanks so much, Greg, for joining us. Um, and uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated.